Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Now, we had started a thought at the end of Romans chapter 9, verse 30, and it kind of continued on. We ran out of time last week to, to talk a lot more about it. But am I on over here, Jason? Okay. Um, but he's continuing the thought in chapter 10, and, and it's progressing here at the beginning. So we're really going to start at Romans chapter 9, verse 30, and then we're going to go through 10, chapter 10, verse 4. Uh, the name of the, the message is blinded by self-righteousness, or where did the Jews fail? Where did the Jews fail? Chapter 9, verse 30, What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone, and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning thanking you, Lord, for this beautiful day you've given us to be here. Father, thank you for convicting the hearts of your children to come, to serve, to be in your house as often as the doors are open. Father, to participate in your church as you have designed. Father, thank you for your word. And may we grow by it. May your Holy Spirit Father, just lift up your son today where we may all see him and praise him. In Jesus' name, amen. There are a couple things that I want us to stop and consider before we keep going in chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9. He gives a question here in verse 30. What shall we say then? So here's a conclusion. He's, the conclusion is that the Gentiles, which were following not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. So you have these Gentiles who were not looking for God. They were not doing religious things towards God. They were not attempting and trying to obey God and through the law and their works. But they weren't even looking. And they have attained to righteousness. But Israel, which were doing all those things, they were following after the law of righteousness. They were going through the motions of religion. I mean, they were dedicating their lives, their children's lives, the, all the sacrifices in their lives to obey the law. And it says, verse 31, but they failed. They did not attain to the law of righteousness. Now, why not? Because they sought it not by faith. But as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. So here's the question. Why was Jesus Christ a stumbling stone? Now think about that. Why was Jesus a stumbling stone to the Jews? Now keep your place here and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, there is 
a great way to learn the design and the composite of God's salvation, unfortunately, by learning what the Jews did not do. Isn't that sad? There's a great way of learning what God's salvation is by considering what the Jews didn't do. Um, The question is, why, how was Christ a stumbling stone to the Jew? Consider this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ, Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and a redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, why did the Jews stumble at Jesus Christ? Is because Jesus Christ is made unto us their goal. Their whole goal of keeping the law was to be righteous. They could never reach that goal, but Jesus did. Now, here's some interesting thing. That word made unto, now that's not kathistomy, that's not to designate. It, the Greek word is genomai. Genomai means to bring into existence. Now think about that. Verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. This is not saying that God created Jesus. But what did God create? God created something that did not previously exist. That's what genomai means. To bring something into existence that wasn't there before. What wasn't there before, before God and us? What didn't exist? These things, righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. How did God uh, make those things to where now I can be represented before God as righteous, as sanctified? As redeemed, God had to make Christ those things for me in my place. And so it's beautiful here. Now think about this. Someone who is religious, they have religious zeal, they they are working towards all of the, the righteousness that we see the Jews working towards. What does it mean that God has made Christ to be the thing that I could not become? They stumbled at the fact that theirs was not sufficient. Their work was not sufficient. Their holiness was not sufficient. Their, their natural descendants of Abraham, the nation, the, the consecrated nation, the temple, uh, the feast, all the things which they were worshipers of the one true God, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They stumbled at Christ becoming what they could not become to the point where now we must surrender what we can't become and embrace what Christ has become for us. God has made Christ unto those things. So religion-based works 
gives an illusion of self-worth. Think about that. Religious, works-based religion gives an illusion of self-worth. And that's what the Jews had. They thought that they were not sick. They don't need a physician. They had self-worth because of the law, the religion that was telling them that they were worthy. They were worth of something. Um, Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Now, I love the deep dives, which we do in Romans. And uh, it's just, you know, there's, there's, I don't think you can go too slow <laughs> through Romans. It feels like we have been kind of going a little slow, but there's, it's so rich that uh, I don't know when we're going to hit these verses again. Maybe soon. I bring them up all the time, don't I? But there's just, as we go through the books, there's some places I'd like to slow down and kind of just uh, enjoy the treasure there. So, you know, and that's the thing, is all through Romans, we've already talked about this how many times? The faith-based righteousness versus the law-based righteousness and how the Jews failed and what is saving righteousness. We've talked about this many, many times. But it is so powerful, just, just when you think that okay, I know enough about this. I don't know if I want to learn more about this. As soon as you're into it, God will teach you something brand new. It'll be refreshing to you like you've never seen it before in your life. And uh, that's, and I love that. That's the way the Lord blesses when you read his word. But look at Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Here's, a very, here's another very familiar verse to us. But when we read this in the light with what we just saw, how, why did the Jews stumble at Christ? Look at verse 10 of chapter 18. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee, that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon the breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that exalteth himself shall be a base and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted so what did you kind of catch here The Pharisee, in, chapter, in verse 11, he was thanking God, he was giving God credit for making him who he was. Hey, thank you, God, for making me 
this person who I am. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I thank thee that I... He, he is ascribing to God. So, I like this quote. In this verse, the fatal error is clearly expressed by those who expect to be saved by any works of their own. Like the Pharisee who prayed in the temple, they ascribe to God all they suppose to be good in them. The Pharisees was saying, thank you God for making me good. That's the Pharisee. That's the works-based religion. They have the illusion that the worth is in them. That they'll thank God for making them worthy. And so, the, and the, but what did the publican do? So, here's, here's faith. Faith does not come with full hands wanting to give. Faith comes with empty hands wanting to receive. So that is faith-based. Faith is smiting yourself and uh, recognizing that there is nothing in you of worth. There's the stumbling stone of Jesus Christ. Is It's his worth that we look to. God had to genomai, make appear before him righteousness. By placing us in Christ, his value is where the worth is. And then we are changed or accounted righteous. All right, so on to chapter 10. So now that we got that kind of background behind us, understanding the failure in chapter 9, the end of chapter 9, and, and what that was about, how the Gentiles achieved righteousness through faith because they sought it by faith, the Israel did not because they did not seek it by faith. Verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now here's Paul again who's telling us what his desires are, his feelings for his brethren. Now brethren is him addressing those who are the brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not brethren according to the flesh. This is Paul stating his desire. Now if you've been with us in Acts, you see uh, that's amazing because the brethren, according to Paul's flesh, are the ones who are persecuting him and chasing him and beating him, ridiculing and falsely accusing him. But Paul's desire was for them to be saved. So Paul's yet again giving us another example how that as God's people, we understand the stakes that are involved. We understand that we should pray for our bitterest enemy. Understanding what perishing means. Understanding that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if it were not by grace, you would have had a very same destination that they did. You would be the one chasing after these religious people that are telling you that you're not good enough. So, if it were not by grace... You would also be one of these. So Paul is yet again, it's beautiful. Uh, not, Paul's kind of practicing what he's preaching. He's not only uh, telling us to love, to pray for our enemies, just as Jesus did. And that's agape love. That's a concern love for their souls. So not only is he doing that, 
But he's showing us he's doing that by having this burden, his heart's desire. So we should never cease to pray for those who oppose the, the, the gospel we preach. You know, those, even if they're persecuting you, because you never know who among those are the elect of God. Paul said this in 2 Timothy. He says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In verse 2, Paul comes up with the conclusion of Israel. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They were zealous for God, but the zeal they had towards God was without true knowledge. It was in spiritual ignorance. You know, Serving God in sincerity is not enough. You must be right. And you must be right with the word of God. Now think about that. A train has a whole lot of power and and it's very useful to get things done. But a train off a track, it is very powerful for destruction. You can take the same energy on the track it's very useful off the track it's very destructive you have people who have a zeal towards god with all its energy but it's not according to truth now here's a statement zeal never makes up for a lack of truth you can put all the energy that you want in serving god but there's no truth behind it You have a zeal of God, but not according to truth, as verse 2 says. So sincerity is is not what pleases God, what not impresses God, but it is spirit and truth that we must come under this sound, we must come under sound doctrine, and then we, we get ourselves on the right track, and then we move and become uh, what God wants us to be. Now, we know that Paul says, I bear them record. Now, how could Paul bear them record? Because he was in the exact same camp. Paul was, I mean, more so than those who are here now, zealous for the law, zealots for the law. Paul was even more. And actually, Galatians 1.14, Paul says, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, but being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So Paul could, what brought it to record that, yes, I understand the zeal. I know the zeal. Uh, he was the one who was chasing, you know, and I was thinking about that, how, you know, when the Jerusalem or when the Jews started persecuting the Lord's church, and we know there's the dispersion that happened with the Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, and then we see the Jews being dispersed. And so it's interesting to me that very likely... Paul was a very big reason, if not the reason, that that even started. And here Paul's being persecuted by the same movement he started long ago. So he knew this zeal. He knew it. And uh, I'm sure he was convicted all the time. He, He actually is. We see him all the time bring this up. He is not shy to bring up his testimony. 
And I'll tell you, if God has done a wonderful thing for you in your life and your testimony, let's not be shy telling others because it promotes God. It promotes how good God is and how you know, he has brought us by his power, not by my ingenuity, by my smarts. <laughs> you know, it was by God who came down in his power to an undeserving sinner who is undeserving of, of his love and his mercy. Well, he gave it anyway. And, and he overcame my sin because grace is greater than all my sin. Tell people. And if they're God's people, they want to hear it. So he didn't shy away from his testimony. He, he says, hey, I started here. God brought me here. Glory be to God. So here is the thing. Here's Israel's mistake. Look at verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God, they were without knowledge of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That is a key verse. Romans chapter 10, verse 3, if you underline, there are a few key verses throughout the word of God. But not only does that give us a description of how the Jews failed, but it also gives us a description of what righteousness by faith is. Because righteousness, uh, justification by faith, obtaining righteousness of God, is not something that you could ever earn that you could ever accomplish earning or deserving. Uh, there's no check boxes that you must do to go around. Because once you have a knowledge of God's saving righteousness, and that's what this righteousness is. This is not just the character of God's righteousness, but this is the saving righteousness. Verse 3, they being ignorant of God's saving righteousness and going about to establish their own saving righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the saving righteousness of God. Now, uh, keep your hands here and turn to chapter 1, verse 17. This is the exact same righteousness described in chapter 1. Well, look at verse 16 of chapter 1. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is, what is? It. What's it? The gospel. <laughs> For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, he's talking about the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? They're the ones who have been justified. They're the ones who have been imputed righteousness. They're the ones that are going to heaven. Only the just are going to heaven. Who are the just? The ones whom God has made just. I've not justified myself. I've not made myself just. God has made me just. Because what did he do? He genomide. He genomide righteousness. He created righteousness that did not exist before. Because I didn't have it. You didn't have it. Now, he didn't create Jesus, of course. You've got to read that verse in context. What did he, what did he create? He created that way, <laughs> didn't he? He created that gap. 
He bridged that gap for me where he could draw me to himself. The relationship that was squandered in Adam, in my own sin, not just Adam. We just can't blame Adam. We choose to sin against God. I squandered it. Oh, but God provided. God provided his righteousness through Jesus Christ that I might be saved, that I might be reconciled to him. That's the righteousness which the Jews were ignorant of. And many works-based religions are today. That, first of all, works-based religion, again, gives you the illusion of worth, self-worth. Because it says, do this, and once you do that, you says, I, I did that, so I must be good. That's the illusion of religion. Because religion does not show you who you really are. Here's the four things the Jews were ignorant of, or without knowledge of. They were ignorant of God's righteousness, his saving righteousness, their own depravity. They were ignorant of God's holiness. God's holiness demands not good enough, perfect. God's holiness demands perfection. Not good enough. Not as bad as others. Okay, so no one is exempt from the wrath of God, no matter if your, your dad was Abraham or if your racquetball partner was Abraham. It doesn't matter who you are in relationship to other people. Um, fourth, we see... Good morning, come on in. Oh, is that Brother Stockton? I think so. Good morning. Come on in. I'm, I'm, I'm just about finished. Um, <laughs> oh, not that I'm finished. but uh, So, verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, there is a very powerful verse. Uh, there's a lot of debate over that verse. But uh, we may talk a little bit more about that verse and give it its, its due time next week. But here's what this is. The present state of human nature and what the law cannot do. The law cannot justify because it's been broken. The law cannot enable you to keep the law. So what did God do? Look real quick, chapter 8, verse 4. Chapter 8, verse 4. Actually, chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, the law, the law itself was not weak. There was not something wrong with the law. There was something wrong with the law's goal of bringing righteousness to me by me keeping it, right? I'm the weak one, not the law. God sending, so what did God do? God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I want you to understand verse 4. What happened? Well, he just told us in chapter 10, verse 4. If you go back to chapter 10, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law 
for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The law has been fulfilled by Christ, so therefore has been met, the demands have been met, and I can now experience the end of the law. The law can no longer condemn me. The the law can no longer say, Philip, you're guilty and you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. You're going to be punished for that. Because what was Christ? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. If, if, If you could paraphrase this, this is what this would say. Christ is the end of using the law to establish one's own righteousness for all those who believe. Now think about that. That's pretty deep, isn't it? I don't know if you write things down, but write that down too on it for next week. Christ is the end of using the law to establish one's own righteousness for those who believe. He's fulfilled the law. Chapter 8, verse 4 says that what the law could not do, the law still can't do it. So what did God do? He sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh that he may become under the law and to save those. Oh, you know what? Christ has fulfilled the law and right now I, we all experience that we have come to the end of the law. Because it's by faith you are saved. It's by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of Sunday school. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. May we rejoice and be glad in it. And thank you, Lord, for all your benefits and your grace and your goodness to us. Father, we love you. We want to, this morning, just glorify your Son. Raise him. Father, we pray your mighty work to be done. Lord, that you will just... Have mercy and grace upon the hearts, Lord, whom we know, Lord, you know each heart, which ones need to be brought into the light of your grace. Father, we'll just praise you and bring you the glory. Father, for you're just your namesake. Lord, how, how beautiful, how beautiful a day to come together in your church and worship the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen.